All right, James, we just had the prolific Miles Beckler mm-hmm. on today. Um, what did you think? Big picture guy, that, huh? Yeah, I went I actually went a different direction than I thought I would. I've talked to him a couple of times on various podcasts and we talked more. Mm-hmm. I guess we could say strategy within selling niche art stuff. This was kind of a move out and kind of went a little deeper. I haven't heard Miles talk about any of this stuff on other podcasts or his YouTube, anything like that. So if you have listened to his previous stuff, this is not going to be a repeat of what you may have heard before. This is completely different. I mean, we dive into a lot of his stuff on real estate, mm-hmm. kind of the way he cash flows his businesses, why he doesn't sell any of his businesses. Obviously, Jackie uh, got a little nervous yeah, dude, during that. You but... should have seen me. My <laughs> fists were like this. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and But then we also we dive into a bunch of different stuff too with around his real estate, Airbnb. And yeah, it was awesome, man. It was uh, it was definitely a different talk if, if people are... Uh, I guess familiar with Miles's work. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm surprised he's like a diamond hands guy for all assets. That's incredible. But um, <laughs> yeah, the more yeah, you know, I, the more you know. The opposite opposite to you. But make sure you check out the link in the yeah. description, guys. It's the advised community gives you also it gives you a discount code. Plus, you skip the application process, so you get straight in using that link in the description. Obviously, if you're not familiar, the advised community. We were in there, a bunch of operators, website owners, business owners, all in the digital space are in there. And it's awesome. I'm currently this accountability, posting your goals each week. Um, there's now a win section for people posting their wins, but heaps of talk on different strategies around SEO, marketing and stuff like that. If you need help with anything. I mean, there were some deals posted in the other day of getting your uh, for your parasites. So finding the best deals to get those done because people are just absolutely, uh, I guess you could say, taking advantage of what's going on yeah. right now so lots of talk in there about that as well so make sure you check out that link in the description it'll get you straight in with a discount yeah um sign up below dude i'm kind of happy where the community is going right now pretty hyped dude, it's, it's like a lot dude, better it, like way better than it's before. so active yeah, so so active so yeah, sick i'm so an awesome job it. on it yeah well I'm, gotta give it up to sean okay. uh we're yeah. gonna have him on the pod as well um yeah. but yeah guys sign up below Listen to the pod. It's a good one. That's it. What's good, everyone? It's Jackie Chow. And this is James DeLacy. And you're listening to This Week in Digital Marketing. All right. Welcome to This Week in Digital Marketing. Today, we have myself, James DeLacy, and my co-host, Jackie Chow. And we have, I guess, I guess that I've talked to a few times on various podcasts and ones I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, Miles Bickler. Welcome, Miles. Cheers. Thanks for having me, guys. No, thanks for coming on. So I think most people should have come across YouTube. YouTube's pretty big now. You're pretty big in the digital marketing space. You talk a lot about, I guess you could, we could, we could pigeonhole you into more offer-based selling your own products and affiliate marketing along those lines. You know, maybe dive into a bit of your background miles for people who don't know you and what you're up to now. Sure. Yep. So I uh, made my first dollar online as an affiliate in 2003. Essentially, I was spamming MySpace, right? I learned how to direct link people from MySpace through an affiliate link, and I would earn income uh, if they purchased. That came crashing down to zero uh, because obviously I was against their terms of service. And once they realized they banned all my links um, and I wasn't growing an email list. Okay. So if I was to describe myself, I'm an audience builder and I'm an email list builder because that email list and not having one and watching my income go to zero and being able to do literally nothing about it, 
Um, that was a crushing experience. So uh, 2009, my wife and I started a brand in the meditation and spirituality space. We're still growing that today. It's made probably about $5 million. 2016, I started teaching everything I know that I learned from those early failures, from those seven years between those early failures and getting it right. And then from the seven years of building it the right way with my wife, I started teaching all that for free on my YouTube channel that is just Miles Beckler. It's just my name there. And so now at this point, my wife and I pretty much have those two brands. I've spun up some little affiliate niche sites to kind of like show people that you can go from zero to build, but then all of a sudden I'm spinning three, four more plates and I value lifestyle more than five grand a month extra in cash flow. And that's a blessed position to be in. So instead I hop on podcasts like this and chat with y'all. <laughs> nice. Nice. Amazing. What, 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 what kind of uh, streams of revenue are you, do you have right now? Uh, you mentioned the meditation space yep. one. Um, so I guess YouTube significant. Yep. So we sell a ton of MP3s. My wife and I figured out how to create little low ticket info products pretty early. Um, we do sell some courses on the Miles Beckler brand. It's mostly just affiliate offers. And um, when you teach somebody how to build a business online, there are absolutely tools that are just required. Whether it's hosting, a theme, a landing page builder, there's something. That's an email list service provider. And so I teach everything for free and I get affiliate marketing on that side. And then I've started selling some low ticket products under the Miles Becker brand. I've got some templates and that's, um, you know, what I'm often doing with Miles Becker brand is like pushing myself to be doing the things I think my students need to be doing so I can be a more effective teacher versus just like, oh yeah, my wife's brand that's huge that we've been crushing it for like 14 years on, just go do this. If there's a disconnect for people, but when I'm you know, starting over, new offer, new Facebook ad, new account, new shopping cart, um, people seem to be uh, more interested, I guess I would say. Nice, man. Um, let's say you were, I mean, you're 18 now. Um, a lot yeah. of young, younger people listening to the pod, um, they're just starting to get into it. If you were to redo everything again, what would you start off with right now? Um, what What do you think is like the next big thing? Yeah, um, I would definitely move to a low cost of living area. So I would I would make a priority in my life at 18 years old, which is exactly what I did. I moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, so I grew up in a very high cost yeah. of living area. Yeah. And I accepted a college purposefully in a very <laughs> low cost of living area. Um, my rent, utilities, and everything after college was 285 bucks a month. And when you're when you're not that you have to when your hurdle rate is like five hundred dollars a month and you're there, like that's the easiest thing people can do to set them up themselves up for success. It's challenging, it's stressful, it's difficult. It'll it'll force you to grow as a human being to get out of that nest out of that nest, if you will, out of that comfort zone. So from them, then I would, I'd burn the candle on both ends. You're 18, like, yo, just literally go after it. So on one direction, I would build a niche site with content marketing and I would either become a YouTuber or I would be a blogger. Like that's it. Maybe a little social to support that, but I like working with search engines more than I like working with social algorithms. And the reason is when you dial that game in right, you can get traffic for years. Whereas social, if you dial that game in right, you can get traffic for like eight hours to maybe three or four days. So I would be building a project to A, build the skills and B, uh, like create my, be my yeah. own first success story. And then I would go sell marketing services 
the mm -hmm. day I knew more than a local business, I would start selling marketing services immediately, which would probably be the basics of WordPress because that's what you learn when you build a blog, right? Or if I went the video route, I would start to, I would find like a car dealership in my local town that wants to start doing like video marketing for cars. And I would go, I'd be their video guy. So I would do the same work for them. And for me, I'd be building my own thing as my kind of testimonial case study. And then I would go land clients and I would try to bring on clients at 1500 or two grand a month. And again, if you're in a place where you're in an ultra low cost of living area, you don't know anybody. So you ain't, nobody's asking you to go out Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. You ain't spending no money at all. All you're doing is grinding and working. The turnaround time for building something and building yourself, yourself into a successful entrepreneur is actually quite short. Um, I'm not saying that's easy. I want everybody to know, like I just covered it. It's a simple plan. It's a difficult plan, but it comes back to how bad do you want it? I hated being broke. I grew up poor. My parents didn't buy a house in the Bay Area until I was like 23. I watched all the other families get wealthy through real estate in the Bay Area. Um, my parents raised me with love. It was, uh, they were, they're still together. So I'm blessed in certain ways, but financially was not one of the ways. And I was just hungry. And I turned that hunger into fire and I went to Albuquerque. And not only was I doing those two things, I was also flipping houses on the side because I was like, yo, real estate has to happen. So, um, and I just, I think it's worthy of honor, honoring how much effort and energy and how like obsessive I was in those days. And the fact that I'm, I've been disciplined since 05, 03, right? Like I've been disciplined at this game for 20 years. That's why I'm a millionaire today. Yeah, I love that. Um, especially the part about uh, services. Because I think people, especially on Twitter, I see you're on Twitter, but you're not like full-blown uh, one-side Twitter type of guy. Um, but especially on Twitter, people get too caught up in like sexy businesses. But I yeah. think if you're just starting out, services is the way to go. Like I, I love that you mentioned as soon as you know more than the local business, you go out and provide a service. That's like the, which is I, day three. <laughs> yeah, day three, and I think you—that's the quickest way to 10k a month. I think. Yeah, by far. Hundred percent. It's yeah, it's too easy. Um, and to touch on moving to a low cost of living area, have you ever considered doing like somewhere in Southeast Asia? A lot of people in yeah. the U.S. Uh, digital nomad people are doing that yep. nowadays. Um, how so do you feel about that? I, do you think that's yeah? Yeah, we did five years as digital nomads. So um, we were living in Albuquerque. I met my wife at real estate school in Albuquerque. Uh, we moved around a few times. And then we were in California again. I was living on North Shore Lake Tahoe. I love snowboarding. So I was like right across the street from a ski resort. And that was great. But the, the cost of living was annoying. The cost of taxes in California was annoying. <laughs> so I learned the RV hack. Um, you go become a South Dakota resident, right? You, you get your RV license in South Dakota. It's a zero income tax state. And then, so we were just tooling around in an RV. I'm like 28 driving this huge truck with like a 27 foot RV. And we were wintering at an RV park in uh, Arizona in Apache Junction where there's RV parks everywhere. So there's a bunch of 80 year olds around us. And we were like, this kind of sucks. Had some frequent flyer miles, flew down to Costa Rica for three months for free. And it was like, Oh my Lord, like this is incredible. And it was before Airbnb got like blown up. So you could still get a really good place for $60, $70 a night. If you negotiate uh, a monthly rate, you can still do those deals, but they're usually found locally. 
we came back from that because you can only do like three months on a visa. So we went for three months, came back. I sold everything in seven days. I sold a truck. I sold a trailer, Whoa. mountain bikes, <laughs> uh, everything. Got fire sale. Um, lost my ass on the truck. Didn't care. We moved to Mexico from there, Sayuli to Mexico. And then we spent five years without homes and uh, Thailand, Damn. Bali, Indonesia, um, Barcelona, the Grand Canaries. I went to New Zealand a few times, Australia a few times. I was like, damn, these places are expensive. Get me out of here. Yeah. Where's the little, where's the cheap little <laughs> islands at? But, um, you know, Mexico, you can live. We had this one place in Sayulita. We were living in a two-story, I can only call it like, it was architecturally beautiful. It was like a modern piece of art. And we were living in it for 900 bucks a month in the shoulder seasons and like the quality of life you can get for 900 bucks out there. And that, that is, so one of the conscious things, and I agree with you hundred percent is what I'm saying through that kind of drawn out story. Um, it doesn't have to suck, right? You don't have to go to like Tupelo, Mississippi, or, you know, and I'm not trying to hate on anybody who's from Tupelo, Mississippi, Yo, but like, you don't do have to you? go <laughs> to someone that sucks per se, um, in order to pull it off. But one of the things mm -hmm. I noticed, and it's worthy of mentioning, cause like, again, that sexy lifestyle, how many Instagrammers are making the digital nomad thing look better than it is. I was on the nomad circuit. Um, I went to a lot of events as a speaker and that's so I, like my whole life was a tax deduction. Every flight, everywhere we went was a tax deduction. Cause I was just, I was speaking at another event. I was working in another event. So I went down to Shramco's event in, um, Australia that kind of got me to that part of the world, had clients in New Zealand, et cetera, et cetera. So strategically playing the tax game through this lifestyle but most of the other nomads around they were always partying they were always out they were always taking these fancy pictures they were making their lifestyle look great and they were broke and they were struggling and they're like miles how are you guys doing it and i was like yo we work all day every day like it's our job like my future depends on it because i wanted to buy houses i want not house I wanted to buy houses. I have multiple millions of dollars worth of real estate. I have dozens of acres of real estate that I enjoy. And I've always just kind of had this plan for that. So we, we pushed pretty hard. Um, Part-time life in that, you're, you're spending 20 hours a week figuring out where you're going next. Because Indonesia, you can only get a 30-day visa. So you're there for 30 days. You figure out where you're going to live for 30 days. You got to get out again, or you got to extend your visa. Like there's all these little nomad -y things that are going to take 20, 30 hours a week type thing that you're spending on Airbnb and looking at Skyscanner uh, for flights. Mm -hmm. And then, um, but it, it was worth it. And so we, through that phase, I paid off $50,000 in student loan debt because we were, you know, living in a peso world, earning dollars. And like, it just, you have more left over at the end of every month. And then once my student loan debt was paid off, we just, built up some accounts to start in the real estate game. And now we've got a couple of properties. So I kind of nomad between my own two properties where I have like all my ergonomics and um, cause being a nomad is not very ergonomically friendly, but it is fun. <laughs> I'm sure nice. Jackie can relate. He's uh, all over the damn world. Every week we do a podcast, he's in a new country. Oh yeah. And yeah, you're obviously carrying hard, a fair mic with you as well. How <laughs> heavy do you travel? Uh, pretty heavy pretty heavy we're not backpackers so um okay. and we're not like yeah we 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 definitely live it up uh we're not we're not saving um yep like we're we're doing hotels everywhere because I, I like to have gyms in my hotels you know yeah and so on and so forth um where are you at right now yeah i, I am in san sebastian in spain the Sweet. culinary capital of europe it's yeah, it's intense here. It's really intense. Spanish people are great. The Spanish culture is great. Like, yeah, I, I just, I love great. it. Um, it's amazing. 
Yeah. Um, well, speak five years is a long time. I don't think I personally can do it. I'm, I'm like nearly two years right now. I, I can't do it anymore, man. It's, it's yeah. tough. Um, what made you come back home? Cause I, I guess you're in the U S right now, right? Yep. If I, yep. Up in the yeah. Northern Rockies. Yeah. Um, um, what made you come back? Uh, pine trees. kind of just, sorry, pine trees. Like pine trees. literally <laughs> I missed living in a forest and you know, I would say after year three, we felt trapped um, because we didn't know where we wanted to be. We knew we didn't want to keep living in these vacation spots because you're just everybody around you is drinking margaritas for lunch. And I know that there's a segment of people who think that that's great and that would be fun. And maybe for like a week, maybe it could be fun, but like it ain't a lifestyle. And you see what it does to some people. And um, I'm really intent on living a very healthy life filled with longevity and i wanted to work with the land i wanted to grow food i've always wanted to have a little <laughs> orchard so i got 20 acres up here i got a snowboard hill on my property and we just kind of wanted to get into the real estate game so we kind of flew in bought a vehicle i built it into an overlanding vehicle which is essentially like it was a jeep that was kind of like turned into an rv but didn't really have a bathroom in it and we just roamed <laughs> around for months looking for like an area that kind of spoke to us um, mm -hmm. like I said, I lived on the North shore of Tahoe for a while. Tahoe's amazing, but it's yet another, um, blown up weekend warrior Bay area tourist trap. So that has all its own challenges. So we kind of roamed around up in the inland Northwest, up in Northern Montana and Northern Idaho to find that kind of spot that like resonated with us. Um, and then it was like, damn, I can't be up here through all the winter. That's, that's brutal. So yeah. I found a spot in the Southwest that I also like. And, and so just kind of like. You know, we, we can consciously turn up our lifestyle, right? And lifestyle creep is one of those things that it can be dangerous for people because you're, you're making five grand a month. You're like, damn, this is good. All right. Time for me to like, you know, get the new iPhone, maybe grab a new car. Cool. Now I'm making 10 grand a month. Well, it's time for me to get, yeah, I should probably get a watch to show off how fancy, how good I am at what I do. And these status symbols that we can collect to attempt to reflect how well we're doing can like just force us to keep having to work and, and turning up the treadmill. So, um, I focus a lot on cash flow. Uh, my properties when I'm not there, I build them out so I can rent them out when I'm not there. So they can actually pay for themselves for the entire year, whether I'm there or not. And it's, it's, again, it's just really strategically playing the game of life consciously to set my future self up for being happier, healthier, uh, less time required to work, et cetera, et cetera. I love that philosophy nice. too. Cause I know you've talked about it before about creating cash flowing assets to almost just to pay for different things in your life and yeah i think people like they want to build these business businesses online etc um, maybe get them to a high valuation or whatever it is but that cash flowing part is so is so good to think about just thinking about how you can increase that number coming in so you can pay for whatever it is for example those your rental assets actually pay for themselves anyway mm -hmm. so it's not an expense and the things you're building don't become expenses because they pay for themselves. Plus add an extra bit in the pocket as well. Do you have any advice for anyone who's maybe who's building their own online business, how they can start to create more cash flowing assets without burning more of their time away from maybe their main projects? Yeah. And the first step I'm going to plug, um, Robert Kiyosaki's board game called cashflow, the original cashflow one-on-one it's a board game. It's an alternative to uh, monopoly. And it's designed to help you think in terms of cash flow. 
And it's a board game I played with a group of investors back in the early 2000s when I was really like, I was in the college dorms flipping houses uh, leading up to the global financial crisis. And what it is, is it, it's a paradigm shift because so many people are like, oh, future billionaire in the making, bro, right? Like, oh, I'm gonna do a nine <laughs> figure business, bro. And like, they don't really understand that that's just a status symbol. And with that could come a lifestyle that costs more than that. And there are people who make billions of dollars who hate their lives. They're completely unhealthy. Their relationships are absolutely shit and they're sick all the time. And for me, that's unacceptable. And when I realized that I could actually build automated streams of cash flow online that generate enough cash flow for me to live the way I want. And, and at the point I'm quote unquote free and like, I got some nice places, right? I got a $185,000 four by four camper van that I drive between my places because I like having a bed and a toilet, you know, like I like having the overlanding plus approach to it. So it's not like I'm doing cheap things, but I know that van's only $800 a month. So my affiliate site that spits out $1,200 a month pays for that van. Bingo. This asset pays for that liability. Cool. So if I want another liability, so let's say Miles decides that he wants to get into exotic cars, um, I would, you know, there's a argument to be made that there are certain vehicles and even watches that do go up in value. I wouldn't call them assets. I think they're liabilities still because they go down in value sometimes too. But let's say Miles wanted to get uh, a one of 30 1995 turbo Porsche. Okay. What's that going to cost me? I'm not looking at the price of the Porsche. I'm looking at the monthly payment all in for the car and also the insurance. And I don't know, I'm making up a number of 1200 bucks a month, let's say. Um, perfect. So I'm not going to go like just start spending that money. I'm going to go find, build, create, buy an asset that generates more than that. And I'm thinking about how much taxes are going to take out of that. And then once that asset's completely automated, run by my virtual assistants or whatever it is, at that point, I'll be like, boom, there's my cash flow from the asset to go buy the liability. And, it, and again, this kind of like understanding of how to play the game of life through cash flow really came from that board game of cash flow from Robert Kiyosaki. Um, his Rich Dad Poor Dad book would be a place to start if people, or the Cash Flow Quadrant book would be great places to start for people who don't want to get the game. Um, but that's it. So then how do you build these automated systems? Like it's not necessarily through doing the freelancing, but like if you ain't making money online right now, like you just need to make money. Like you, you can't be like picky about the type of money you make. You just need to go make some money. So if you're doing freelancing work, which I did and my wife did, you can build out a team that does the actual work for you. So you're the head marketer, you're the head salesperson, and you outsource all of the work. You're kind of playing an arbitrage game. That's one way. But again, this is why I like search-based platforms, right? So I got YouTube videos I published in 2016, 2017, 2018. That's now, you know, five, six, seven years ago. They still bring traffic leads and customers into my business to this very day, right? I get, I get affiliate sales hands off from work I did several years ago. So I just try to keep thinking up those, those types of things to build that can have that long-term residual. And if it doesn't have the potential for doing long-term residual, I don't do with it much. Like you said, on Twitter, right? Like I'm, I'm mm -hmm. kind of active on Twitter. I'll talk a little smack. I'm usually just kind of like looking at macro guys and investing because there's a lot of interesting and really smart financial people on Twitter. So I'm kind of a lurker on Twitter and like, I'm not going to become a Twitter bro who has a big Twitter audience. Cause like Elon would probably shut me down the moment he gets an opportunity to, and all that work is just gone. Um, not to mention if I stop tweeting, your traffic's gone within days. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
you you speak a lot about um replacing these uh liabilities with the assets you create um mm-hmm. would you recommend people in people in your audience or in our or our, our audience to like take some chips off the table periodically for example um if you have several of these niche sites do you ever sell them or do you just hold them forever no. like yeah. warren buffett you know like the forever <laughs> holder yeah. uh like cash flow right, because hands forever okay 100 percent. jackie is screaming forever. inside jackie is yeah. screaming inside right no now. totally and i'm not really a flipper and like um no it's so cool yeah. philosophically right like buy bitcoin and hodl it for 20 years and i think that's probably going to pay out pretty well um when it comes to those assets so if i sold one of my niche sites as generating cash flow i'm creating a tax liability for myself okay so not now i have an infusion of cash there is a time and a point place where that makes sense like maybe i wanted to pay off the entire van in one fell swoop so i could go theoretically sell an asset but if i just am patient not only will that asset pay off the van, but then once that van's paid off, I'll have that $800 a month. It'll be down like two or 150 because of insurance, right? But like the actual um, principal and interest payment, then all that just goes into my savings account. And so now I have this cash flow machine that's stacking up more cash flow. And it, I, I do think through cash flow terms on everything. And I don't, I don't really want, you know, um, I don't want to have a $3 million a year, right? I'm already paying enough taxes having a one and a half, $2 million a year. Um, I just, it, it gets exorbitant. And this is why I've kind of positioned my life in a way that I, I, I do play that kind of tax arbitrage game within the legal right that we have. Um, but yeah, it, it is like, so selling a bunch of anything and all of a sudden you got this giant capital gains bill that you have to pay. And like, what, then what am I gonna do with the cash? Like, well, I just want to go find another asset. Um, I will say, I think real estate is one of those places that I would consider doing that. And I've just been, uh, you know, we, we run so much cash flow through our business that I don't have to. I can just wait for a year or two and I have enough cash flow sitting around in my 5.5% bank account right, or 5% bank account that I'm like, okay, where are we deploying this at this point in time? And then it takes time to get it built up. We're building, you know, mini hotels. I'm playing the Airbnb game because I lived in freaking Airbnbs for five years. So I know how to do Airbnbs <laughs> really nice and they just print freaking money. So it's kind of like digital cash flow. It started with service-based cash flow, right? Effort cash flow. And then I went to replace the effort-based cash flow with digital cash flow. So instead of working with clients one-to-one, I started teaching YouTube and now I get people to do it they themselves and I earn income from the affiliate commissions on that. So I've shifted the type of cash flow I'm earning. And then once my digital cash flow is really firing, then I'm wanting to replace all that cash flow with real estate cash flow. And when my life is so let's say my life's 10 grand a month just for a flat number um i'm making that easily through digital assets but when the digital assets are kicking that out and my real estate assets are kicking that out above and beyond the cost of the real estate itself i now have two sources of freedom income i'm i'm beyond diversified in my long-term financial security and this is how i'll maybe we could even link this back to tim ferris's ideas from the four-hour work week of how can i build my life in a way that I can kind of like do these mini retirements. Now, um, I got like a $25,000 trip on the books to go to Africa, to go to the uh, pyramids. It's going to be, I mean, it's, it's taking care of business class the whole way. Business class flights are expensive right now, but I ain't turning right when I get on a plane to go across an ocean, period. I've, I've lived, so <laughs> I, I live in this way that I want to keep going. It's the cash flow that, that I feel is my mechanism for that. 
And then if you had all that money laying around, and then you're like, oh, what am I going to put my money in? And your ego starts like, oh, you got to do something. You can't leave all this money. It starts burning a hole in your pocket. And then you start feeling like you need to make things happen. Um, and if you're not a skilled investor, which is a, that's a very difficult thing to do, right? Like, I mean, look at what crypto's done over the last, or Bitcoin. I mean, it's just, uh, 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 you got to have some guts of steel to be able to hold on to it. When you have, $150,000 a month cash flow coming in from your digital assets, you can hodl through everything and be like, yep, this is a 10 year plan. Like, like seven figure biddies is, you know, I can have my philosophy and I can stick to my plan. But if I get to a point where I need that money, then you're selling your assets when they're down. And then you're incurring losses. Like it can, it can go, uh, it can be slippery. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, when you first get into a site, I think you should have the long-term view similar to uh, you and James um, to hold forever. But I think my counter argument to that is like, you have a lot of risk, right? I mean, these sites are priced at a, at like a, a yield that's crazy. Like, yeah. Yeah. Multiples got crazy. Yes. I think it's pricing in like 30, 40%. Like right now it's like 20 to 30% yield a year, which is considered a pretty high risk asset. Um, I, I mean, aren't you worried you're going to get clapped by like a Google algorithm one day or, yeah, or are you building these businesses to be more resilient to like one platform's algorithm? So at this point, most of my effort goes into two personal brands. My wife has a personal brand and I've got a personal brand and we ain't going to sell them. I'm going to be Miles Beckler forever. I'm mm -hmm. writing books now. Like, so I'm going to be generating cash flow off of the Miles Beckler brand for 30 years from now. So, so that's my longevity of it. Like I, I've built something and committed to something I won't and can't sell. The other little niche affiliate sites, there probably was a moment a uh, year, year and a half ago when I could have sold them before traffic started to come down, when multiples, people were paying like 45X, mm -hmm. like people, revenues, like the, the multiples people were paying were crazy for a while. There is a very good argument to be made that I should have done mm -hmm. it then, but instead I've completely ignored it. I've done nothing and I've earned thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in the last year or two of cash flow that I've been able to completely ignore. So now linking what you're kind of talking about, Jackie, because I, I totally agree with you, especially when you're in a niche that you just kind of like, uh, I'm going to go into the pickleball niche because pickleball's hot. And like, I don't give a damn about pickleball, but like pickleball's hot. So I'm gonna go build a pickleball site. Yo, you better have an exit strategy plan as you're building that thing out. Um, and the service you could be offering the world to bring it back to services. You could be creating wonderful little starter sites that have traffic already. And I've promoted some pre-made sites, right? Motion Invest mm -hmm. is one of them. Um, Human Proof Designs, they kind of make these pre-made sites that you can sell. So like, I know people who sell affiliate sites as a service and how do you get good enough to, well, you got to do it over and over and over and you build a little portfolio yourself. But then that brings up the question, uh, is it better slash faster slash easier to create freedom cash flow by going wide? and building seven niche sites at once, or is it through going deep by going real, like, like creating one, one list, one brand, one audience, one content thing. Um, and you, you, there is an argument to be made for both of them. I have found that focus is probably the uh, commodity that people have the least of and distraction is so prevalent in what we do that a lot of people are jumping around from 
method to method to method from niche to niche to niche. And they're not hearing what Napoleon Hill tried to talk about in the 1920s about the importance of like discipline over long periods of time to truly create like outsized returns. And they never get to that. They, they always stop three feet from gold, right? And they're like, oh man, this is just taking too long because they've only worked on it for nine months. And they somehow think that in nine months they should be successful. But I think a new brand, a new site is a three to five year plan minimum. Got it. Got it. I do. I, yeah. I think if you shouldn't go out and build a business that you're going to exit so quickly. Um, but then again, if, if you're into crypto, if you're into um, like equities, I'm I'm guessing you are and also real mm -hmm. estate. You you should have an exit plan, right? Because especially with equities, some of them don't pay out dividends. Like do you just hold forever and just take out loans on those? Or like what, all of what's my your equities plan are dividends. Yeah. All of my equities are dividends right now. I've moved everything into a it's in a Vanguard. It's they're managed. Okay. I forget the actual one of it. So it's a little higher price and it's got a guy who thinks who's deciding what's in that fund and what's out. And I pay a little bit higher expense ratio, which is the antithesis to Vanguard in general, but that's all of my equities, right? And I only put in equities because I'm getting a tax break on it. So when you run an S corporation, I'm paying myself as an employee because I'm employer and employee. And so I can actually deduct up to, it's like 18 or 20 grand for my wife and I both every year, I can put it into the stock market. But the way I look at it is that money's in jail, right? All of that is mm -hmm. in jail. I can't do nothing with that until I'm 59 and a half and I'm in my early 40s. So that's a long time. I don't trust it. I don't like it. Um, I'm not really a crypto person. I'm a Bitcoin person. I think that, that the, the concept of sound money and how that fixes some of the global problems. When you live in Indonesia, right? Like, have you been to Bali, uh, Jackie? Yeah, I have. So uh, like Indonesia, Rupiah. Oh, dude, Denpasar is nuts. People make this place sound like it's like, like peaceful heaven and you land in Denpasar and it's the dirtiest, most polluted, most chaotic place I've ever been. And their, their currency. The Indonesian rupiah, when I was there, 100,000 rupiah was equivalent to $7. So, and if you rent a house for a year, which I had friends doing, you have to pay the whole year at once. So these folks are literally getting duffel bags full of currency, riding on a scooter across Denpasar with literally like enough money to change a local folk's life. And they're just like literally carrying that on a duffel bag and cops stop white folks and shake the boules down, right? Like that happens out there. And, you know, when you think of that challenge and then instead you have something like Bitcoin that is, you know, like ultra, it's actually sound money that you can just boop, scan a QR code and like value transfers in 30 minutes and three block confirmations were done. Holy snap. Like it is an absolute revolution, but it doesn't have cash flow. And, and when, mm -hmm. it, when people tried to make it cash flow, they got caught up in Celsius and BlockFi. Da, 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 da. So it's like we all have to build our and I actually love where this conversation is going because I think it helps people see a longer path of how they can create true wealth because I got unconfiscatable wealth. I've got wealth that's in the system that gets me a tax break. I've got wealth that I can go live in, right? If it all goes down, I can go live in my properties. Uh, one of my properties has a big old orchard that I could eat. Like part of my wealth is like the food and the nutrition that I get from my places. And it, it's fun to be in a position to think differently. And all of that is enabled because I'm not in the rat race on that hamster wheel, in the rat race on that. It starts with building some sort of like skill for me, it was, it started with SEO, keyword research, driving organic traffic from Google. 
And, and now it's that plus YouTube plus advertising and list building and all of those things. And they all kind of like blend together. And what's fun, if you ever snowboarded or surfed, like, so phase one is like, I'm really going to try to not fall. Phase two is like competence, like, oh shit, this is working. Sorry for the S-bombs. Uh, if somebody has to bleep them out, thank you, editor no, person. Cool. Uh, um, <laughs> so phase two is like competence, right? So phase one is fall, 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 fall. Most people don't get up enough to gain the competence, but those who do keep at it, they get to competence. And then those who go beyond competence, they get to integrate style. And when I'm floating down a ski hill in 10 inches of powder, I got style. I've been snowboarding for a very long time, right? I make it look good. It's fun. It has a flow. And the same is true with life. The same is true with business. And the same is true with investing. And there's a lot of young folks out there watching other people have that kind of like style, right? Like you, Jack, we have, we have different styles to our approach to prosperity and abundance and folks want that. And it's like, yeah, cool. All right. Got to pay your dues. It takes several mm -hmm. years of grind, right? And then you can build up your nest day and then you can build up your cash flow machine. And then you can find your stuff. Cause there's other people out there that are like, miles, you sound like a Bitcoin maximalist. ETH is ultrasound money. NFTs are the future. And like my next shit coins going hundred X and Doge is going to the moon. Cause of Elon, blah, blah, blah. Cool. You do your style. Never put it all on one bet. That's another thing you learn is how to spread it all out, right? Like mm -hmm. never, there's, there's nothing that could go to zero, but once you learn your style and if you've got a bunch of cash flow coming in behind you, you can take risks and, and play other games. Yeah, nice. Yeah, um, definitely agreed that you have to pay your dues. Um, let's talk about your real estate for a bit. Are, yep. do, do you have the juicy low interest loans on them or are they paid off? What's one, the one. current deal? Yep, no, so um, I'm, I'm pretty cool with, I like two to one leverage on real estate, I'm comfortable with. And for people listening, so when you normally buy a house, you're like four to one, five to one, okay? A 20% down and 80% lend means you're like four to one, five to one leverage. I, technically, that would be four to one, right? Um, so all of my properties, I have at least 50% equity in them. So the market can go oh, do nice. what the market wants to do, and I don't have to get nervous at all. Mm -hmm. um, I, one of them I purchased this past March. Um, so six and a half percent loan on that thing. It's brand new. I, I, the bank, it was right after the first bank failed. And I believe we kind of, maybe were already in the recession that everybody's been expecting. I think maybe it actually happened. And that was a big pullback. They dropped their price a couple hundred grand. I got them another hundred grand down. Um, it was, it was a seven figure property on that with multiple units on it. And so I bought a multi-unit property and I'm going to live in the main unit for, uh, half the year. And the littler unit will be rented out the full year. And then the half of the year I'm not there, the little unit will be, or the big unit will be rented out as well. Um, for that game to work for me, it's all about operator. So I've got, I, I'm not managing it myself. I'm, I'm using a professional manager. We are decking this thing out. It's, it, it's, a, it's a game that requires cash to play, but once it's built out with like, you know, Pottery Barn, like nice quality stuff, man. It's going to be, it's going to be mm -hmm. really nice stuff. It's going to be expensive. We're doing a fair amount of work in the properties to make them, to take them to the upper end of the spectrum. I mean, my mortgage on that property is PITI, uh, which is principal interest taxes and insurance is right around five grand. Um, again, 50% equity on a seven figure property. So it's not that huge. Um, and then I think I should be able to get about $110,000, $120,000 net per year out of it mm -hmm. from the cash flow. Um, my 
Airbnb manager is going to take 20%. Uh, Airbnb themselves takes 10%. CapEx, which is capital expenditure, which means, you know, eventually I'm going to have to replace a water heater and, and mm -hmm. a roof and other things. Um, not to mention that I'm, I'm, you know, putting probably 60 grand into them to get them ready on top of the, you know, uh, $700,000 down payment I put onto it type thing. Um, and a lot of that money. Okay. So here, uh, a lot of that money was sitting in Bitcoin. So when I sold my last Airbnb that we got out of when things started to really run up in 2020, I was like, yo, everybody's going nuts. Sell on the way up, buy on the way down is kind of my basic flight. I can't time the top or the bottom. So I sold, um, Bitcoin was at like 18 grand or something like that. And so I, you know, I just liquidated $400,000 of, uh, profits that was like, okay, I need to do something with this. Cause that house, like almost doubled in value in four years. Um, so I put a bunch of that in, I put about half of the profits in Bitcoin and I kept half of the profits in, in a high interest uh, money market account and Bitcoin. So I watched it, it went from like 18 to like 64 to like 14. And then uh, when this house was, when I was ready to purchase this house, I got out of a large portion of that at like 30, right? So, so Bitcoin as right. a savings technology did work for me because my timing was correct on that. Um, so I do sell assets from time to time and I'm, you know, luckily have a lot of losses from years beforehand um, and trying to buy shit coins that went to zero. And I, I have been carrying forward some losses in that world. So again, I'm, I'm very conscious of my tax um, realization. And if people don't like paying taxes, one other thing that's worth noting is uh, real estate. That's how President Trump uh, paid like nothing or $750 a year in taxes is it's through the, the mechanism is depreciation through real estate. You can you can really start to um, leverage that depreciation for other tax benefits. So it's a very tax protected way to invest. Yeah, there, there's like a whole community on uh, Twitter about this. I think I don't I don't remember the term. Was it like cost seg or something like that? Uh, I, I, I don't know. But yeah, I so think, uh, and accelerated depreciation yeah. is the other idea. But yeah, yeah, you see. You, so you can like, in theory, the cabinets in my new rental are going to need to be replaced at some point. So there's been a mm -hmm. law that allows me to pull that depreciation forward. And I'm going to take those losses now. I know I'll have to replace them in the future, but I'll take the losses now. And so people, you get a new property, you go suck all of this capital depreciation out of it. You accelerate the depreciation. Um, at, at this level, I know what I'm talking about, but I have paid CPAs who help me mm -hmm. execute these kinds of things because I don't really know that much. Yeah, but, you, but you don't want to mess up here. Uh-uh, not at all. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to mess up with those people, with, with the folks, with yeah. the parasites in DC. You, you got to play their game right, pay your taxes, get a pro yeah. who can keep you going in the right direction. Yeah. How, how do you like the Airbnb game? Um, I'm in it myself. Uh, it's a nightmare though, dealing with people, <laughs> even with like the property manager, it's a nightmare. <laughs> And they take so much, like you, your guy takes, uh, your folks take yep. 20%. That's insanity. Um, yep. But I guess it makes sense. But it's just like a it's lot of work. good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love it and I hate it. So I hate it because I've watched it destroy communities. Sayulita, Mexico was an amazing place to be a nomad for a long time until the Airbnbs blew it up. Um, towns like Crested Butte, Colorado, just amazing towns. Um, there's so many little mountain towns and so many great little places that locals can't afford to be in them anymore. And when you hear about the challenges for the younger folks right now who are trying to buy a house and they're like, damn, dude, like 
you know, the average payment on a house, there's so many charts going around on Fintwit right now about how unaffordable housing is as of this recording. It's more unaffordable than ever before. And one of the reasons is because you have indie investors like you and I who are competing with families who want to buy homes to raise kids in. And you also have, you know, mega Wall Street corporations like BlackRock who are buying entire subdivisions as, uh, you know, they're made to rent subdivisions. So, it, there is a part of me that kind of like, it's like, oh man, this is kind of rough. But on the flip side of that, someone who, let, let's go to this 22 year old or 18 year old person we were talking about. And I was like, get to a low cost mm -hmm. of living area, right? Hustle it up. So they, they get a few things going, build up some cash flow, and they buy their first property that they're renting out the rooms in, right? And they, they turn into it now. So this younger person may actually be able to leverage this technology and create another cash flow to where their dwelling, their domicile is able to actually pay for itself and more because they're going to go ahead and manage it themselves. And I got friends who manage their own and they don't pay that 20%. I just don't, I'll do this digital stuff because it's, it's high value. Um, it's love, hate. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of BS, man. And like, I used to come back to my other property and things were broken. And it was like, how do you break the dishwasher rack? Like, like how, people are just, they, they rearranged stuff and like, just, you know, you get people out for a, a weekend cause it's in a kind of a vacation spot and they, they party and they do their thing and neighbor issues got weird. So uh, the mm. newer property I bought is uh, more space. It's on acreage. Now, both properties are really far apart from each other. So I won't hear them. And we're going to do like a three or four night minimum to really minimize or to try to, to try to tailor it to a certain demographic who hopefully will appreciate it a little bit more. And again, shooting for that higher end, right? Like uh, I'm not necessarily in for the churn, the lower end of the market. I want to go as high as I possibly can in the market. And if I do 80% instead of 90% occupancy rate, in theory, the higher end of the market with a four-night minimum is actually going to help me kind of like get above uh, the bar. But um, I looked at long-term rentaling it and like a long-term, I might be able to get 1,800, 1,900 bucks a month, but I should be able to get, you know, in my pocket after all said and done, like four to five grand a month off of this thing. Uh, that's just for like the little house. Like it's, mm -hmm. so the numbers I like, uh, but what it does to communities is it, there is a part of me that's kind of like, like all those old nomad spots have been turned out by indie entrepreneurs and like, I don't blame them, but it's just the way the world has gone. Yeah. Yeah. I do have that on my conscience as well. Um, my place is in Lisbon and oh, okay. people there can absolutely cannot afford living in yep. central Lisbon. I think like median income is like a thousand euros in Portugal and like the place I bought in central Lisbon, I, we rent out for like fucking two, three grand a month. Shit's out crazy out here. Yep. Um, but and nomads want it. And there's also crypto they want laws, it. They take right? It like, yeah. yep. Portugal's bringing in the, the European crypto money and they're like, yo, come here. We'll be, we'll be helpful for you. And um, I got a friend, a home girl. She runs a travel website that does really well. She bought a place in um, Bitcoin beach in El Salvador, uh, El Zonte. And she's crushing it, man. And like, there's no fucking way a local could pay and be and participate in that property. It's kind of what happened to Costa Rica. If you've ever been to Costa Rica, right? Tamagringo or Tamarindo. Um, it, it's, there ain't no way like locals are living in those. They're, they're getting pushed out more and more. It's just, it's interesting to see it happen at home. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And, and yeah, I don't know. Like it's the way of the world. The property's got two places on it. We thought back and forth about this way, that way. And it's just like, 
I can't be foolish. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it, it is a yeah. it is a conscious thing. It's a tough it, one. It's, it's a tough one. It's a tough yep. one. I guess uh, before we wrap up, what are you what are you mo- most like bullish on in terms of everything you're working on? Like, in ten years, are you most bullish on I don't know your property investments, your personal brand, um, your niche sites, working with your wife? Uh, yeah, what, what are you most bullish on in email the next list. ten years? Like email list. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's that, it's that direct communication. It's a distribution channel, right? Like I, I look at my email list as, as my way to distribute. That's how I move units, right? That's me with CDs out the trunk of a car on Telegraph Avenue in Berkeley, moving units, but it's all digital. So we've got, um, I think our list is 240,000 active subscribers between the two brands. Holy shit. And nice. yeah, and everything we do is focused on bringing that. And I can, I can look at a direct correlation to, we send out an email with an offer for an ultra low ticket product and boom. So for example, my last YouTube video that I just put out, because YouTube could turn me off. I'm, I'm like mm-hmm. mildly bullish on YouTube because where AI is in the cycle, and I think there's a lot of people abusing AI and the search engine spam problem is going to continue to get more difficult. Google's pretty slow to respond with their algorithm changes. Um, I don't think it's horrendous, but but it's just noteworthy. And for that to be applied to AI in a video format is pretty rough, but like YouTube is censoring everybody right now like youtube is like oh you said that word right and like everything yeah. that they censored for three years has proven to be true but like so youtube is in bed with um some forces that that just they just they got their finger on that like censor button they will shut down channels i've had students get their channels shut down with no warning um dude had a carving he's a spanish student he, he teaches carving and they shut down his channel with like forty thousand subscribers on it I cool. think he used music he didn't have rights to, which is beyond there, you know, but, but still like a warning, like my man, he's, you know, like English is a second language and he's trying to teach people how to carve and trying to make a little extra side money out of it. Um, the only place we actually own our relationship with our audience is our email list, right? And so customer email list is number one. That's why I do a lot of like ultra low ticket products is just, I just want to make sales. I want to build that customer list because the lifetime value is true. And when I sell somebody, you know, five sales funnel templates for five bucks, and then they go through them, they're like, holy shit, like, this is actually good. Like, I thought this was gonna be a scam, right? This is like five bucks, like it actually works. They're more receptive to buying my other things over time. Um, I did a, like a high end mastermind in Bali and also in Phuket, that was like three to $5,000 per person, we went on a yacht for a day and like, who buys that? It's my customers. So, and where, where are, like, where do I actually kind of manage that communication with my customers? It's, it's on my customer list and where are they before they buy? It's usually on my uh, leads list, on my list they opt in for, for the um, lead magnet. And, and once I have that built, if, if things go wrong, I'm taking backups every week of it. So if things go wrong, if active campaign somehow decides they don't want me communicating with my people, I can go literally plug it into ConvertKit or AWeber, or I could self-host, I could run my own script. So no mm-hmm. one can no one can cancel that therefore it's the thing i'm most bullish on yeah i think uh email is in a pretty resilient spot right now and uh how big is your personal list it's 200 plus k that's crazy no, so the miles like, beckler brand is yeah. about 40k and all the rest is wifey's brand 
And so, and it's not the niche, it's the fact that we've been working on her brand since 2009 and we've been working, Crazy. so that's 14 years as of this recording and like do anything for 14 years straight, like literally, like it's your job, 40 hours a week plus, mm -hmm. um, do anything surfing for that many years, like civil like internet entrepreneurship, you're going to get really, really good at it. We've had over 850,000 people subscribe and and turn it unsubscribe so we then download all the unsubscribes and we now retarget them on all of the different platforms so when they're on you know anywhere they go they they still see nice. us they just they were like ah, Can't get rid of you. in my inbox doesn't really fit right now so cool i'll just i'll just keep popping up everywhere let you know when our new products come out and that's how we craft a new 17 dollar offer and we'll have a couple of ten thousand dollar days back to back it's because once that 17 dollar offer is crafted with good coffee we send an email and just boom, sales volume right Love it, man. Um, yeah, I'm out, I'm I'm also in, incredibly bullish on email right now. Just seeing what it could do. Um, I made it my thing this year to grow it, and yeah, it's getting there, but a lot slower than I like it to be. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was great chatting, Miles. Uh, gotta be yeah. mindful of the time. Thanks so thanks so much for coming. Where can people find you? Uh, you know, I'm the only Miles Beckler, so you can just search for Miles Beckler. My website's milesbeckler.com or find me on YouTube. I'm pretty easy to find. If you want to chat and ask a question or whatever, uh, I am on Twitter. I, I do respond on Twitter. Um, but all of my best, most useful free con content is on YouTube. And I mean, I got full on how to do affiliate marketing courses that some people would charge, you know, a couple hundred bucks for. It's, it's all laid out for free on my YouTube channel. Yeah, I saw that one. I think you did like a really long one, how to get to 100K a year, right? That was a... Yep. That was a bang. And it was on one of my case study sites and how to grow an affiliate site to hundred grand a year if you're not an expert in the niche. And that is kind of down that direction of I'm going to churn mm -hmm. these types of sites. And then all of a sudden I was just like, man, I'm doing, I'm, I'm working way too hard for how much money I'm making right now. Like I don't need to, which is a very blessed position to be in. And I kind of scaled that one thing back. And funny enough, it was three, four years ago. Like, I mean, I got, it's still spinning out cash flow, man. And I literally, I don't even update it. I don't, nothing like Crazy. I do nothing to the site and it still spits out cash flow um, each and every month. It's a great skill. Like for everybody listening, just just realize that from where you are to the cash flow that you want, skills are the thing that'll get you there. And once you build the skills that you could just start a blog, you can just start a YouTube channel with your cell phone. Like all most all my videos today are still recorded on my cell phone. There's no technology. I don't edit them. And once you build that skill, whether you A, learn how to cash flow that skill for yourself, or B, you learn how to just apply that skill to local businesses who need help, the cash flow can grow as your skills grow. And you're climbing a skill ladder is the way I like to think of it. I agree. Well, th thank you so much for coming today, Miles. I really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, good to meet it. you, Jackie. This is yeah. awesome. Fun, fun yeah, first combo with you, James. Thanks for continuing to, you know, stay on top of me. I know I'm, I'm tough yep. to wrangle sometimes on, on these calls. It's been a month or two in the making, but I appreciate it. No, cheers for coming on, man. Always enjoy chatting with you and, and talking big picture. It's, a, it's worth it. Let me know when it's out. I'll mail it to my list. Sounds good. Perfect. All right. Thanks a lot, man.